Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 607. Remember this, or, or, or not. We're going to talk about some uh, jokes for your classroom. We're going to talk about that word, remember, because it is a real word. And we've got some resources for your classroom as well. So without further ado, here's the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean McGurk. Hey, Sean. Well, hello. How are you? I'm well. I I do... Uh, I did find out, though, that uh, um, I was looking at a BMI chart. Okay. And for some reason, my my height has not been keeping up with my weight. Uh, I have the same problem. (laughs) Exact same problem. Of course, I should be eight feet tall, too, (laughs) if (laughs) if this is the case. Um. I was carrying a book around the other day, and uh, somebody oh. asked me, why is that book so thick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just said, it's a long story. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes I like to tell strangers, I'm, uh, you know, you can tell people how old you are in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I yeah. tell them, I'm uh, when Amazon only sold books old. Oh, the reality though. I'm when Amazon was only a river old. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got a friend who uh, he was going to Liars Anonymous, but yeah. he got kicked out. Yeah, he oh. told him he was he he told him he was happy to see them. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that made him pretty lonely and he started yeah. a business. He did. Yeah. Now he has a little company. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I should have some Christmas jokes. I don't have any. It should be. Jokes. It's getting, getting ready for that. Time it is the season. Yeah. It is the season. And it's the season of, of lots of jingles. And, um, you know, a lot of artists do christmas or holiday music because they yeah. make more money out of that long term <laughs> that's funny that's like they're for a lot of artists that's like you know what keeps them going kind of thing well there's uh the one artist who uh has seen a revival of her career what 50 years later just for dolly Parton. i can't remember her name no it's uh <laughs> she's not a one-hit wonder. She's a three-hit wonder, but all of a sudden they can't think of her name. Uh, that's that's the problem with with this time of the year. Is all of a sudden the brain's right. like, "Hey, I got an idea." Well, just I just not just half baked. I'll think of it later. Anyways, I want to say, uh, Sandra D. That, that's not it. That just happens to you this time of year. <laughs> no, it's just poignant. It's more poignant this time of year. <laughs> happens all the time. But yes. Now, now it's just straight up embarrassing. <laughs> I'll think of it. I'll okay. Look it up here well, while you're thinking right. of that, um, I am reading a book um, <laughs> right now, um, which is like 11 walks, uh, 11 walks around the block. Where this person, uh, it's 11 Ways of Seeing, I think, is the title of the book. Um, And it is where the author takes uh, 
she lives in New York, and she takes a walk around the neighborhood with 11 different people who have 11 different backgrounds. And it's what do you notice when you're on this walk, right? It's really interesting. And one of the people that she takes a walk with is a sound engineer, um, which is interesting to, he's looking at the, um, he looks at the city as a soundscape more so than anything else. And one of the things he does as a profession is he collects sounds so that when you're in movies, for example, or um, TV shows or whatever, they have the soundscape as a background. They have sounds that they play to, you know, kind of help put you in that spot. And this week, I thought it was interesting that this week, Dave Bidlowski has a, has a bit about an acoustician. Uh, and I think this is fascinating because sound is something that's really, really important. People think sound is easy and sound is really, really hard. <laughs> it um, is, yeah. Sound is way harder than people think it is. Um, you know, just doing, just doing the podcast, there's, um, there's things that, you know, we've, kind of standardized on and we play around with i could spend a mm -hmm. lot more time getting you know doing sound work but mm, i don't um but but sound is hard and sound can also be a job and you can do things with them and uh dave does a really great job of walking us through that so here without further ado is the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski and the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12Science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the fall 2023 issue of The Science Teacher, a publication of the National Science Teaching Association, and I read the section Career of the Month, written by Luba Vangelova, and she wrote an article on an acoustician. Acoustics involves all aspects of sound, noise, vibration, and perception. It's a large field that encompasses specialties such as architecture, underwater, biomedical, ultrasonics, and speech. Acousticians can work for private industry, including for consulting firms or manufacturers, as well as academia. Tony Hoover works as an acoustical consultant for McKay Conet Hoover Incorporated an acoustics and media systems consulting firm based in West Lake Village, California. And his overview is that an architect will typically call their firm when assembling a team to work on designing a building, such as a courthouse, a university library, or a performance venue. He takes acoustical measurements at facilities, analyzes data, attends meetings, answers client questions, responds to inquiries about new projects, and prepares reports. Every day is different and there are always surprises. For new facilities that have not yet been built, they do calculations based on plans, relying on equations and lots of data about how sound travels and is affected by different materials. The data never cover all the variations they encounter. Sound travel is affected by many factors, including the location of features such as windows and walls, and the weight and thickness limitations of partitions. The data never cover all the variations they encounter. 
Sound travel is affected by many factors, including the location of features such as windows and walls and, and the weight and thickness limitations of partitions. So they often have to interpolate or extrapolate. They then evaluate their calculations or program outputs and adjust this and that variable for the components they're studying to come up with the most cost-effective solution. They often try to evaluate in two different ways because no single method is clever enough to account for all subtleties. If both ways come up with similar results, they have enhanced confidence in the calculations. His favorite parts of the work are the variety and challenges of the projects and his friends and colleagues in the office. He also finds huge value in being deeply involved in professional societies and discussing issues with other colleagues in the field. His least favorite part is dealing with contracts and insurance issues, which are not specifically related to acoustics, but are part of the job. His career path, he said, he has always had a deep love of music and played several instruments. His uncle is a prestigious keyboardist, so he saw what it took to be a true professional musician and realized that would not work for him. He didn't know about the acoustics field at the time, so he enrolled in an undergraduate program in American Studies at Notre Dame. It sounded like the broadcast liberal arts major, which could lead to a variety of careers. During his senior year, he was visiting friends at Penn State and found out about their acoustics program. He went there and asked to speak to the head of the department. They chatted for a couple of hours and then talked again the following day. He urged him to apply for their master's program, even though he didn't have any high-level math or physics training. Most students enter the program with degrees in math, physics, or engineering, but they offered him a research assistantship and a stipend. He figured if they were willing to take a chance, so was he. He took various undergraduate-level math and physics classes for the first three quarters of a year, then dove into the acoustics. He hit a stride and at the end of four years had a Master of Science in Acoustics degree. After graduation, he took a job in Denver at a small company that made masking systems or white noise, but it wasn't a good fit. He had gone to a few meetings of the Acoustical Society of America, where he'd heard acoustical consultants talking about designing music halls and performance facilities. That struck him as a great way to apply both his acoustics knowledge and his other interests. So he called the people he'd met and talked to them about being a consultant. One asked if he could write documents such as letters, proposals, and reports. He told them that writing was central to his undergraduate studies and had confidence in his abilities. That was the answer that got him hired for his next job at his consulting firm in Boston. He worked on a variety of projects there over the next 25 years. His current firm then offered him a partnership and the opportunity to concentrate more fully on performing area spaces and other large projects. It was an irresistible offer, so he took it and moved to California 15 years ago. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. All right, so you heard what he had to say, right? Just well, awesome of course. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I did was, think of, sorry, uh, uh, we were talking about sound and remembering sound. Go Brenda, Brenda Lee, that's the sound of the Brenda season. Lee. Yes. Okay. She's having a comeback?
apparently her song from the 1950s is uh, back uh, back in style. It's number one on Billboard this week. Really? Yep. So the the song she's she recorded way back when she was 13 years old is still going strong. So, uh, but it sounds like it's from 1952. So yeah, you listen to different songs than you listen to different stuff than I do, which is cool. Oh, I don't listen. I don't listen to it. I just have this yeah. trivia that sticks in the head that I can't get out. So rocking around the Christmas tree is number one. It is billboard this week. It's and above week. Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. Which, which is which is why it stuck in my head that somebody had finally beaten Mariah Carey at Christmas. Yeah. And trending up. Yes. That's the irony. To, to 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 number one this week, so it'll be trending down or holding steady. Do they have a holding steady? symbol i don't know i don't see one. everything everything moved i don't know that anything stayed the same so oh bing crosby's white christmas is number 23 well there you go so there there's your there reinforces the importance of acoustics and um the staying power of christmas songs in a, a singer's career and exemplifies the rat holes that we go on <laughs> in, in the pre-show because I was like, oh, look, something's shining. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah. Um, you, this morning, um, you shared with me, and I'm hoping you'll talk about it a little bit, about really neat assignment you had the kids doing uh, as a database activity in Moodle. Sure. Yeah, I can share that. So and, one of the issues... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, and, and I just was going to ask if you'd share a little bit about the background behind it and kind of some of the reasons for what you're doing with it. Yeah, so I'm testing with one of my classes, my eighth grade uh, social studies class. Um, I'm testing uh, a database activity in Moodle. One of the problems I have with, especially this time of year and my seventh graders, because my seventh graders do a project every quarter, is mm -hmm. that uh, parents will say, oh, you know what? You got two weeks off coming up. Let's take a little extra. We'll buffer it on both sides. And then they take the kid and go. And sometimes mm -hmm. they don't tell the kid that they're going to do it or they tell the kid, don't tell the school we're going to do it. We'll just go, mm -hmm. which leaves the rest of the kids in that kid's group working on a group project in alert because that leaves the information they're working on inaccessible. Correct. And I thought to myself, well, I don't want this because my, my, my eighth grade students have a big major presentation coming up and it's going to be like really close to after we get back. And if somebody does this whole go on vacation early thing, they're going to leave somebody in a lurch. They're going to say, but they have all the information or they've got all the materials or they've got, and that's, that's a killer. So I created a database activity in Moodle and then I had the kids sign up uh, in, in groups and I put them in groups and exclusive mm -hmm. groups in Moodle. And yep. then I made 10 copies of the database and made it available only for them to see. So somebody can't walk in and start adding or deleting stuff in their databases and, you know, destroying each other's, each other's work. But by the same token, when they contribute things to the database, anybody in the group can see it. 
And I can also go in and say, all right, you need 15 pieces of research by such and such a day. And I can go in and go one, two, three, four, five. Oh, no, that's not. That's that's no. Uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, little. And I actually, can, I can give them can cheat and just look at the bottom, and it'll tell you how many entries there are. But okay, but you can count too. I know you. I know how much you like math. You know how much I like to like do things the hard way. But I mean, there, I would go through and count because I I know at least one group is going to just throw in junk and say, right. "Oh, it's an entry," and you know, and I'm going to uh -huh. be able to then come back and go. Um, so I did look at your entry, and you and I both know that this is not. Mm -hmm. uh what i asked you to do so yeah I, the nice thing about moodle is it has these cool things but because it's, it's so useful kids can also can take advantage of it sometimes learn that from mm -hmm. the glossary activity uh so now the kids are putting in uh, entries into their database to help them build a cadre of research and then they can start then building their their projects and their presentations based around the the database that they're building also when they get down to the end one of the things they have to do when the judges come up they have to be able to show them their research and say this is this is what i looked at this is where i so mm -hmm. i'm i'm planning on them having their their table with their presentation and whatnot but then also having their their computer open and open to their moodle and mm -hmm. being able to have the the judges just scan through and see all of their entries because it'll be in a list format and they can just scan through and see all these things and be able to say, well, yeah, you, you, you did some research. Yeah. And you've got several fields there that, cause my, when you, when you were first talking about it, it was like, Oh, um, would you use a glossary for that? Was my you know, first thought, you know, but then I saw the the fields that you had for a database and it's like, Oh, that's perfect. That's, um, that makes just a lot of sense because you've got them delineating um, what the um, what the resource is, what kind of resource it is, their thoughts on it, and the author's point of view as well. Right. right. Yeah, and that's one of the essential elements in the Michigan History Day project is that you can't just do one side. You have to talk about the the different points of view um, th that uh, are presented within the, the. So, for example, one of my students is doing the the uh, the the war, the Israeli independence war in 1948. She's calling it something else, and and she she's front. By the way, she was talking about it. I can tell she's front loading it with. She has a particular point of view, but I talked <laughs> to her and I said, "Look, I said you have to. I know you don't like the other group." And you have, this is an emotional thing, but you have to talk about it from their point of view as well. You, 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 you can't just do the one side. Right. And she kind of shrugged her shoulder, her, her shoulders drooped and she was like, okay. So I th thought to myself, I need to do something that's going to help her. I'm going to you know, help support her in this. So at the very bottom of the database, I put in, all right, so what is the author's point of view? Where are they coming from? How are they seeing this whole thing? And how does that affect mm -hmm. what you're putting in as research? Because I know when we get down to the end, get closer to the end, when she starts putting this thing together, I need to be able to look at her and say, all right, let's take a look. You've got 30, 40, however many uh, points of view from the Palestinian side, but how many do you have from the opposite side? <clears throat> and which ones did you use? And I need, I know I'm going to have to have that hard conversation with her 
but it's going to help her become a better historian and a better evaluator of information by doing mm-hmm. so. And I know she's not going to like it, but right. that's part of her, her growth that's going to have to happen as a, as a, as a student and as a person. And I'm okay with that. And I'm okay if she hates me at the end, but I want them to put something in there to give them some support so they could say, no, see, I've got more than one point of view because I'm using authors that are looking at this from different perspectives and who they are. But then I also put in a primary and a secondary source indicator. So if they're using uh, a secondary source, they click it and then we can start saying, okay, how many of these are secondary? Now, you know, there's primary sources out there. Why don't you go look and see what those primary sources are and what they actually say and use those as well. Because they, they're supposed to use both primary and secondary sources. So I throw through some things. I structured, I scaffolded. Let's use that term. I, I scaffolded mm-hmm. their research in such a way as to make it easier for them to um, fulfill the requirements of Michigan History Day. Um, because they're eighth grade. Um, they're the higher flyer eighth graders. But very few of them are actually on eighth grade level. Uh, because of COVID and a bunch of other reasons. Uh, um, what, 70% of my students are either this English is their second or third language. Right. And so they're, 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 I'm working with that. So I throw in some structure to help them with that. Um, and I'm and this only doing it with my eighth graders. I might do it with my seventh graders in coming years. My goal is to have them sign up for, I can send three from each different category. So my goal is to have them all sign up for uh, presentation methods in three different categories or in, in no more than three in each category. So I can bring all my students. Right. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I was just, I was really impressed with the, the database activity because it really helped structure what kids were doing and it became an easy way for kids to share and to see what other members of the group were, were finding. Um, because then it's like right there, um, they can look through it. Um, and then I had forgotten that you had the primary and the secondary sources as well. So I thought, and I thought that was uh, neat that they could identify <clears throat> in their tick boxes there. So, you know, they can say, this is this, this is that. And then <laughs> you can actually search off that as well. So I'll, uh, <clears throat> I'll include a, uh, a screenshot of the, uh, the database. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll put, and we'll put a couple of those in there. And, uh, so if you want to see what it looks like, uh, go over to middleschoolmatters.com and you can check out the website in our show notes and our show notes will have a couple of screenshots of, um, what I, what I did, what it looks like. And, um, if I get ambitious, maybe I'll, I'll do a, um, a backup copy of the database and put it somewhere. I was going to ask if you're going to put it on MoodleNet as well as uh, an activity. Um, I think I could do it. I, if I did it, I want to refine it first because there's a couple yeah. things I don't like about it yet, but I I need more practice playing with databases. Yeah. And um, yeah. So we'll see. Is- I mean, I, I might. I don't know if anybody actually downloads my stuff on Moodlet. Yeah. And there's no way for, for me to know. But if I did that, then yes, you could all have access to it. And maybe I'll do that. I'll just do that. And then uh, if I get a better version of it, I'll just hide that one and put the better version up. 
There you go. Because you can you can play around with those as uh, and databases are if if you know a little bit of coding, um, you can really make them look nice too. Um, and I understand that most people don't don't have that coding background and shouldn't have to have that coding background. So if somebody can create something that looks really nice, then um, share. Um, like Chris did with the um, book review in the database activity. Um, yes. So yes. that looks really sharp. It does. So, uh, so yeah. Um, we can we can take a look at that. But I I thought that was great and it was a great solution and it's the um it prevents the my dog ate my homework, my dog ate my research um yep. line as well. It's like, nope, it's right here. And and like you said, one of the biggest issues that we can deal with it the one big issue we can deal with at this time is kids just not being there uh, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's um, vacation, illness, other matters that come up or something. So that helps that group be able to do their work and then being able to limit it easily by group um, is a neat feature of Moodle as well. So... So, yeah, and that reminded me that um, I've been working on some professional development. Um, I'm trying to get more time set aside so I can create some professional development that's going to be self-paced. Oh. Um, one of the neat things in Maine is for um, continuing ed credits, you can do, you have, they have, we have wide latitude of what can be done and you can do some of these self-paced courses and that can count as towards your recertification so oh so i was going to do a couple of of things with uh with products that we have with procedures that we have with some of the pedagogy that we're um we're working on as well uh and just try to create some of those and uh don't tell anybody they don't okay. listen to the podcast anyway, so we're okay there. But I'm also going to try to convince a couple of other people to do some, um, to create some materials with me. Uh, so, but I want to get a couple available first, and then there's a math person that I think would be awesome to do some of Ooh. that. So that's uh, it's part of my super secret plan, which I'm letting everybody into. Kind of like um, um, the super secret public journal um, that Mike Berbiglia does. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like Mike Berbiglia's comedy stuff. Some of his movies are, they're really good as comedy routines. <laughs> <laughs> They don't need to be a whole movie, <laughs> but you know, he needs to do what he wants to do. So, right, um, somehow with it. Yeah, that's it's 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 his journey. So, so yeah. Um, let's take a. This is a very social time of year, so let's take a look at the social web. 
Oh, the social web. Well, uh, first we have Kevin Honeycutt. Kevin Honeycutt at Kevin Honeycutt. Uh, 129 free drawing lessons by me designed to fit the time you have in class. Me there is Kevin. You, you don't want to see my drawings. Uh, everything from simple machines to national symbols and habitats. I think two habitats. Uh, and there's a link in the show notes if you want to go and get 129 free drawing lessons wow. by Kevin Honeycutt. And he like is YouTube a prolific. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. This is this is this is neat. I have always been impressed with all the stuff that Kevin Honeycutt has uh, come up with. The first time I met him was way back, oh, about uh, twelve years ago, at an ISD unconference. You know, the pre-conference where everybody mm-hmm. just got together and talked about things in education. And ISD provided a space, but there was no structure. You came in and you created the structure on a Google Doc, right in the morning. And that's where I met Kevin Honeycutt, and he had just converted an iPad to an air guitar, and it was awesome. Um, he took a paper air guitar, and it's not really air, but a paper guitar, put in a, a Velcroed up an iPad to it, and then the next thing you know, he <laughs> had kids creating music using an iPad smacked on a guitar because uh, now they could wrap their head around the concept, and they were they were they were creating. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, this is really cool. But then he's created other things like these missions. He had kids building a Viking ship out of cardboard, and he had to use exact dimensions, and he had to figure out how to fasten it. And he had them create, and and I'm not create, he had them um, solve, create solutions to problems as they came up. He didn't say, yeah, you should do this, or yeah. He would say, mm-hmm. okay, so where can we find out how to do that? And I thought, yes, that's the critical thinking we want the kids to do. And he was doing it with kids younger than mine. Um, he's got some really creative stuff. He's got lots of steam and STEM stuff uh, on his website. So um, go steal it. He, he puts it out there for free. He, he's, he has a little uh, group. He comes around, does presentations and mm-hmm. he does. And I, I don't know if he's back uh, in the classroom or not, but he was, he's, 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 he travels and visits uh, conferences and schools and does, and does that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, it, at Woodworth, one of the, one of the one of the most exciting times of the whole school year was our tech ed teacher had kids create um, cardboard boats, ah, and then race them in the pool. Oh, cool! <laughs> so, so we'd go to the pool and then bring your boats down, and they would race them. That'd be fun. It, it it was it was the kids had a blast, the everyone watching had a blast as well. It's really good stuff. So yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a word for that, but Susie Dent at Susie underscore Dent has an unofficial word of the day for us, and it's called remember. Having a false memory of something, possibly a blend of remember and fumble, but I I remember um, <laughs> remember uh, quite frequently. I'm afraid including poor Brenda D or Brenda Lee. I'm so sorry about that. Um, John R. Soash at uh, J.R. Soash. Um, Taking screenshots is a Chromebook feature I use dozens of times every day. I recorded this video for students to teach them how to use the screen capture tool. And I would like to delete that feature because that's how they've been cheating in all of our classes. (laughs) 
Uh, Hugh and Kind. <laughs> uh, score B, Jingly, at uh, Girly, Girly Joe at Mastodon.social. Uh, I wonder uh, what part of my brain is used to store people's phone numbers. Uh, is, I wonder what it's doing now. I thought that's a pretty good thing. Yeah, because I thought to myself, I don't memorize phone numbers anymore. And I probably should because it probably would be helpful. Uh, Mark Dunk at uh, Unclar at Mastodon.education. A free and open source or FOSS geographic information system written by Miguel Gillen, our, our buddy that's Miguel. Awesome. Yeah, he is. And uh, I thought that's really cool that there's an open source geographic information system we can use. Esri has one that lets they let educators use it, but that's because they make enough money. They can just give it to educators as long as you promise not to, you know, use it for commercial purposes. Um, John Cutie. Um, I, I thought this was uh, helpful because mm -hmm. one of the things I'm not finding is a lot of educators to follow on mastodon uh john yeah. cutie at john cutie at social dot co-op uh visiting profiles of open educators in this list and he put together in, uh, a list on a web page of educators open educators and i thought that might be helpful for finding some folks to uh to help expand my uh my my, my social um web as I pull in information off of that and get ideas for things, mm -hmm. um, things to, to watch out for hashtag MS chat is still around. People are using it to just share middle school ideas, hashtag H five P cause there's some stuff that comes out and you can always pick up a video by Oliver tack. Uh, he's always producing wonderful videos on how to use H five P and incorporate it into your teaching and then hashtag MS matters. Cause I, it's one of my faves. So I just threw it in there. It does. Yeah, absolutely. So um, inquiry tubes, inquiry cubes, sorry. Easy for me to say, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you did it. Inquiry cubes is, uh, this is, this is listed as a science, ex, uh, activity. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's a logical thinking activity. I like this one a lot. So here this is, this is by Joe Cassette who is a physics teacher, a knowledge fellow, uh, a techie and a musician, um, and wears a bow tie, apparently. Um, and cool. so what this is, is this is to help kids understand patterns. And it is a basic cube. Think of a dice. And in fact, the introductory activity is with a die where one side is missing and the kids have to come oh. up with what's missing and um it's called a level zero cube standard six-sided die with the number four removed it says you know all the kids are familiar with the pattern they typically compare this cube against their memory of a die to determine the missing side. They guess correctly that the missing side should have four dots on it. Then they discuss how they could determine the answer besides looking for the num missing number between four and six. And eventually, someone will remember that the opposite sides of die always add up to seven. 
they test out the theory and it works, it works, it works. So then he also, he also gives you, and this is awesome, he gives you um, all the materials that you might need. He's got level two and level three. They get more complex as you go. They have multiple things on the die. But the great thing is he gives you the files. You can download these files and um, they're editable. There's five levels of inquiry tubes cubes that he's designed. And he says, please use and free sh share freely for non-commercial use. Then he goes in and he says, you know, after doing this for a while of cutting and folding paper cubes, it became tedious. So he took a two by four. Oh. Cut two by four and um, put the, you know, print them out. Mm -hmm. Put them on there. Oh. Two by fours turn out to be pretty doggone durable. Yeah. You know, I got to do a little learning. But he says, you know, okay. Um, he also found one inch wooden cubes. Um, the You get 50 of them for under 20 bucks. Well, that's good. Um, he says, you know, you but you look around, you can find other ones. Um, he uses... Uh, address label stickers. He gives you all the printable files. You can download there. There are, he gives you the PDF one and the editable one as well. And the editable one is a docx file. So you could do that. And you're thinking that's great, right? But there's more. He's even done these as interactive full screen displays. So you can click on them um, and it comes into a little movie and it's a basically a 3D object. So you can spin it around and see what's missing and what's on each side. Um, and he's got I don't know, um, all four levels of those. Level zero, one, two, three, and a question mark. So, of course, I clicked on the one that's a question mark, and I'm like, this is hard. <laughs> I can read everything, but you can click around with it, and it is, you don't have to worry about losing the, the die. You know, you can click around, kids can interact with it. And spin it around any way that you want. Uh, really, really nicely done. So, um, uh, and it's just a 3D model done with Sketchfab. So you can use all of those as well. I just think it's really neat for thinking, um, thinking activities and reasoning activities. Like, you know, what, what's the pattern here? What does it do? How does it do it? So, um, and you could do it as group work. You could do it as individual, um, whichever way you want to go. I thought that was tons of fun. So that's why I 
spent as much time on as I did. Part of that, and this one kind of logs into this, is you might want to have kids create prototypes. Um, this comes from um, the Stanford from Stanford, and this is a uh, educator activity guide. This is a prototype. So they have a guide that you can download. And the, the concept here is really just kids making uh, prototypes of things that they come up with, their ideas that they have. And it is just a, can be a powerful tool in, in learning more, um, in learning more about how things work and creating things and going through the prototype process. Uh, also asking to get other perspectives, like, okay, I think it works like this, and somebody else is going, yeah, but it doesn't do this other thing that I would really need it to do. So they get some feedback. So I thought that was cool. Um, they have a little, uh, have a, a little guide you can download. There's also a book and a lot more work with it, but you you can just check out the uh, the guide and go through there as well. All right, um, staying in kind of the same vein, Trevor Muir. Um, you're familiar with Trevor Muir's stuff, right? Love his stuff, yes. Yeah. He has a site called, uh, is part of his site, it's called Epic PBL. And oh. uh, I'll tell you right up front, this is about project-based learning, which is like his background. He... Part of this is he does do workshops and consulting, and there's a course that you can pay for and take. But if you want to know more about PBL, this is you can get some really good information here, and there is also some free resources um, that you can check out. So um, if you scroll down, he has um, uh, one of the free projects is called the Parachute Debate. Um, it's listed for secondary social studies and ELA. Um, so you can, uh, you can get that for free. And like I said, if you need, um, if you, you want, you can certainly look at, uh, some of the materials that he is selling as well, but it is, uh, it's pretty cool. So and there are some free exercises there and some good resources if you're looking at project-based learning. Wow, this is still me. Okay. <laughs> um, and one of the things that the project-based learning does is it ends up going into a, um, a debate. And... I found an additional resource to help kids with debate. And this is called Kylio EDU. Um, there is also a Moodle plugin for this, just by the by. Oh. But um, what it does is it helps students get to the core of the issues they're discussing. Um, and you can try this. And what it does is it breaks things down into pros and cons. 
So the kids uh, add things to the subject, and then it you know they identify whether it's a pro or a con, and they can they can do that, and they can break down those things even further. Um, it is free. It respects privacy. Um, and it helps kids kind of organize and share. Um, so there's, they have some examples there. Um, and it really, it's got a visual compelling format. Um, it helps kids create a logical structure of discussion and facilitates thoughtful collaboration. Um, so it's something that I think I'm playing around with and I want to play around with even more. Um, but you can, you can have the kids host their own debate um, and work through that process. I think it's just a neat resource and uh, you might want to check it out if you're having kids do that kind of logical thinking that's um, part of PBL and part of that as well. So you should check that out. Another thing that you might want to check out is if you are having kids work in Google Docs, is there is a Google add-on. There's a, um, an extension called Revision History, which is neat because students don't have to install this, but the teacher does, just the teacher. And it will kind of pull from the the um, the metadata, and it will provide you with basic statistics like time spent writing, number of deletions, and copy pastes. There's a replay feature which is in beta that lets you watch a video of the student writing their paper. Um, oh, that's cool. Obviously, you don't get to write. You know, you're not seeing them sitting yeah. there, but no. It's um, yeah, it's their screenshot kind of thing. Um, so this can be very helpful for teachers who are concerned about uh, AI and kids cheating. And if you see everything is just copy pasted and then, you know, a few changes made, well, you can have a discussion with the student. Um the analysis has done on your computer, so it doesn't um, upload any of the st no student data. Um, is nothing is really sent to their servers. So interesting. Um, you might find it useful. I had a feeling, and it was yeah. just a feeling that I knew what the culture translator was going to be for this week. Oh, did you? And I would have been right. <laughs> oh, cool. This has been everywhere. Even I've seen it. No, which one? The slang of the week or a no, no, charismatic the, medic selection? Yeah, yeah, it's the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So have you used it? I mean, that's the next no, question. And I refuse Why not? To. <laughs> I refuse really? Because I think you just be hip and cool with the with the kids yeah. and Yeah. I yeah. your popularity would just How about you? Have you used it? Absolutely not. 
no. I uh, I wore a rat hole just for a second. I wore a uh, Christmas t-shirt on Friday. I called it Fancy Friday. And they were like, okay. But I wore one of those shirts that has that visual illusion that you're wearing, like a, a smoking jacket and a button-up uh, shirt with a big bow tie. And, you know, it makes you look fancy when all you're doing is just wearing a shirt. And it's Christmassy. It's got gingerbread men, candy canes, that sort of thing all over it. And I thought, uh, you know, it's just for Friday, this Friday, I'll, I'll do my Christmas fun little shirt here and We'll have some fun with it. And I, a lot of kids came by and were like, that's a cool shirt, Mr. Gurr. I did not expect that at all. I expected them to just ignore me or just like, oh, no, I got, I was like, oh, cool. Well, I felt pretty good. Um, and you might feel pretty good if you're going to use a charismatic selection. Uh, again, pointed out by Axis, the culture translator. The Oxford University Press has chosen Riz for their 2023 word of the year. The word Riz, if you're not familiar, is essentially short for charisma and is generally used to refer to somebody with the ability to attract others just through their sense of style, charm, or general attractiveness, which if you think about it is a lot of the popular kids in middle school, that's that's what they operate on because mm-hmm. it isn't always, you know, genuine brain power. And uh, so, yeah, so there were other contestants. Uh, there, one word was Swifty. It didn't make it, but I mean, it was a, it was a contender. Um, a uh, AI programs like ChatGPT um, gave us the word uh, prompt. Uh, a situationship was a, a finalist. It's a romantic relationship that hasn't been clearly defined. And uh, but but Riz made it, so Riz won out. And then I've got a slang of the week for you. All right, you may I've not heard this one around around school yet, but it's probably coming. And it's one that you and I, um, well, we we were familiar with when we were kids, and and it hasn't changed. It's just suddenly becoming more popular. So ERM, E-R-M, it's maybe one of the more self-explanatory slangs. ERM is an interjection used Mm -hmm. to express uh, hesitation or as a response to something annoying uh, that someone said or did, which would be anything I do in my classroom. If it, I'm joking, it serves uh, double duty as a vocal filler and a response. It's not really new, but it's seeing resurgence as uh, the vernacular with content creators, which in turn is trickled down to their audiences mm-hmm. uh, to, to see some members of Gen Alpha explain erm and to other and other slang. There's a TikTok video link in the show notes under uh, Culture Translator, and um, you can have some TikTok fun, tiki taki fun. So there you go. It's things to, to try out in your classroom this week. I know Troy. Troy's Troy's going to use Riz. He just he's suddenly he's going to use it, not realize it, and because I, because he is Riz, he's got Riz. I am not going to. It seems to me that used to have a different meaning. Okay, that's that's all I'm going to say. And um, all right, I will not be using that. <laughs> we okay. only have a couple of weeks left before Christmas break. We do here for both of us. So, um, and that last week is always so challenging. I have not yet, um, scheduled waffles. So I need to schedule waffles because I traditionally do waffles, uh, just before break. So I'll be making some waffles. So, yeah. Um, I have nine days. You have 10 days. I do. Yep. Although you have, is professional development? Uh, uh, I have to be there. <laughs> I have to be so there. You have nine student days. 
nine student days, but I have 10 work days, one of which I'd be interesting to see how that goes. So, okay. And um, I'll be working on professional development as well, but I'll be working on creating professional development. Um, And we have nine days left. So, um, so yeah. And of course, we can't do the 12 days of Christmas because the 12 days of Christmas starts on Christmas. It is not right before Christmas. It starts on Christmas. So, you know, got to have that right. All right. We would love it if you would tell your, your co-teachers, your colleagues, um, yeah. if, you'd, if you'd post out on the social medias of your choice, that, hey, you should check out Middle School Matters at middleschoolmatters.com. We would greatly appreciate that. We do know that um, Google Podcast is closing down in April. So I'll have to remove that link from the um, from the website. We had to re- <laughs> we had to remove a couple of others where we were on a couple of other podcast sites, but they have gone away. Um, so podcasting, um, I guess the advertising part of podcasting has been how can I say this uh, decimated. <laughs> Uh, I think it's almost non-existent. Yeah, yeah I mean, we've never we've pursued, not had that problem. We've not had that problem. So our yeah. uh, our advertising rate is down zero percent right now. <laughs> That's right. We are holding steady. So we've never pursued um, advertising, and we don't really have any plans on pursuing advertising, which, given the current climate, is probably a good thing. So. But you can help out by introducing us or letting other people know about us. Again, social medias on your blog, your very own website. Any any uh, any way you can get the word out, we would appreciate it. With that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. All opinions expressed on this podcast are exclusively the opinions of the host and guest and not indicative of any employer.